You know, here on Chewing the Fat, I like to talk a little bit about, uh, from time to time, living the American dream, living your American dream. And uh, so when we find people that are living their American dream, we like to talk to them about it. And Phil Robertson, uh, the duck commander guru, the man himself, uh, I I found him wandering around the building today, just blowing on his duck call. And I thought, all right, come on in, sit down, have a word. How are you, Phil? I'm doing well. Doing well. Nice to meet you, sir. Thank you for coming on Chewing the Fat. You know, I found it fascinating um, as I was uh, doing a little background on you. And I I didn't realize that, uh, you know, from where you started, from where you're at to where you where you where you've ended up today and uh that is really amazing i don't think people realize how difficult a lot of people had uh growing up and yet they overcame that because it was just that's what they did right i mean what uh you talk about uh living as a child with uh, you know dirt floors and no bathrooms and and yep. uh you know, do you remember ever anything bad about that at all, or just was it all just that's the way it was? We were poor, but I never heard anyone say we were poor. Listen, they would worm us one time a year. The children would get in a line, walk by your mother. She would give you a worm tablet. She would observe you to make sure you took it and didn't throw it behind the stove. So we all got wormed. Now listen to this. By the time you get into third or fourth grade, the worming stopped. We're good. <laughs> I never took another pill till I was in college and some tick bit me and gave me rabbit fever at a summer job. So they gave me some pretty rude shots yeah. over the tick fever, tularemia they call it. But you say you were raised in a culture, 50s, 60s, but, but you never even took so much as any tablet for anything. For anything. For anything, literally. So as life went on, I trusted in God, whatever I was doing. I earned a couple of degrees from Louisiana Tech, got out of there, and I said, Miss Kay, after I taught school for a while, I said, find me a place on the river. And I said, you see this duck call? I said, there's not but one of them. I made it. I said, I'll get the duck call off the ground. I'll fish the river selling buffalo and catfish until we get on our feet. I said, good times will come your way if you just stay with me. Find me a place on the river. What do you think? She said, let's do it. Let's do it. So we did it. I trusted in God Almighty. I came to know him at 28. That's when I began to make plans. What next? So now I have faith in Jesus. My sins are removed. I'm getting on my feet, getting start walking in the faith. Right. I trusted in God. I trusted in capitalism, and I worked hard, and I looked up, and I have proven that an American with trust in God, capitalism, and hard work, you can literally get to be rich and famous for sure, and you don't have to have a cell phone. I've never owned one, and I've never turned on a computer in my 72 years. <laughs> it can be done, it dude. It can <laughs> be done. That is amazing. All right, so at 28, you say at 28, that's when you uh, found God. And that's the first you, time I'd ever investigated Jesus. Okay, and then and, and you decided that you needed to start thinking about what's next. What brought that on? After getting high, getting drunk, and getting laid— not necessarily in that order, but pretty close. You say after about 
first 28 years of your life, you look yeah. up, you've got a track record. Yeah, you do. And it ain't good. <laughs> and you're looking back <laughs> yes, saying, whoa, well, you run your wife off the kids and all this, not another, and you, you start to reflect and you say, you know what? Something something is wrong here. Right. Where am I going wrong? Doesn't it, feel it, right. Doesn't feel right. This ain't good. So Miss K, I took her advice, sat down, and listened to some guy, and he shared Jesus with me. I'm stunned that removal of sin, peace of mind, and immortality is on the table. I'm like, whoa here. Wait a minute. Right. Immortality. And I'm looking at the resurrection of Jesus. I just never thought about it seriously enough, contemplated long enough to say, you know what? There's a lot involved in this. So I thought, tell you what, after investigating Jesus, I could find nothing wrong with him. <laughs> and I thought, what's required of me is just to love God and love my neighbor. I said, that's doable. So yeah. basically, I've been telling others about what I just told about myself for the last 44 years. So here I am drinking a cup of coffee with you. Life's pretty good. Yeah, no kidding. Life is really There's good. There's been no profanity today, none. You say any any fits of rage, none. You say any evil thoughts, zero. Hey, like, I don't know that I can go that far. Hey, I'm just telling you on my case. So I'm rocking along here thinking, you know, life's good. So you uh, you've written uh, two or three books uh, already, and you're you're doing the rounds now on your latest book, uh, "The Theft of America's Soul." And really, as I was looking through it, and I was starting to read some things, uh, that theft has been happening uh, for quite some time. Uh, it didn't just happen overnight. That's correct. Uh, the theft of America's soul. Uh, when you go down the list in your uh, in your book about the the lie and the truth, um, it you, it really makes you realize that it was a process that they've been slowly just kind of snaking around the back door, just taking as much as they could when they could, and it's it's amazing. And all empires go down the same road. You know, if you look back, you start back in history, a lot of these texts, this text, Romans one twenty eight, the Apostle Paul is writing to the Roman Empire. It's been 2,000 years. So you think, I wonder if anything that a writer said 2,000 years ago, way before cell phones and computers, you're like, I wonder if it would be pertinent today. Here's the read, Romans 1, 28 and following. Since they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do what ought not to be done. Now, I wonder what they're up to. Now, listen to this list. <laughs> it sounds like the Democratic Party. He starts down this list. They become filled with every kind of wickedness, evil, greed, and depravity. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. Huh. They are gossips, slanderers, God-haters, insolent, arrogant, boastful. They invent ways of doing evil. They disobey their parents, and he ends that section up by saying they are senseless. If you took a human being and you say, what kind of human being is it who is senseless? Yeah, no kidding. It's just, 
it's just nonsense coming out of them. Yeah. You're like, well, look, senseless, faithless, no God, see, no Jesus, heartless. They slaughter their own children. They shoot up churches, synagogues. You're like, what? What are? What are they? What are they doing? So it almost seems senseless. It almost seems senseless. And you try to talk to them. They're coming up with stuff like we will be able to control the thermostat on planet Earth. <laughs> I'm like, yes. you gonna do what? <laughs> They're telling us how long we have left. Twelve years, and we're gone unless something is done about the temperature. I'm like, are you serious? It's serious. They're serious. Yes, they are. And they look, are darn the serious. The scary part is, they that's a lie, but they believe it. They believe the lie. So lawlessness, everyone who sins, First John three verse four breaks the law. In fact. Sin is lawlessness. So what we have here in America, we've had it with all the other empires. Now the Roman Empire is a pile of rubble. Here we all are in America saying, what are, what are, what are we doing? It's scary. What are the, what's the title of the TV show here on The Blaze? Yeah, In the Woods with Phil. In the Woods with Phil, okay. I'm giving them just a broad view of one man, his life and times, what he's doing, his thinking, and a and a worldview through a spiritual lens. I'm just including God in your worldview if He's there, and I'm just telling Him how it is, appreciating the woods out there and what we do all the well, time. Well, you know, it's so important because really, you were given an opportunity through a television show to have a platform, and you know of. For sure, for for many years, you were you know like you said when you were twenty eight, you uh, you know you and your wife, uh, you know she sat you down and said you know it's time to time to take a look at ourselves and what yep. we're doing. Yep. And uh, you were living a life and it was important and then to you and you were living your own American dream and then you were given a, a larger platform by doing a, a television show that you know was either good or bad or however you, you know, what, however you look at it. But I mean it yep. came along and it gave you a platform to reach many That's more right. people. And, and that's what happened. And that's exactly what happened. And, what you happened? know, you, you take advantage of that platform by trying to explain to people, hey, you know, maybe we start doing things a little different. You know, they came down and pitched the show, A&E. They're out of New York. They had seen some of our, our uh, DVDs and videos on duck hunting. Well, they watched us, and they said to me, somebody in the back stood up and said, Bob, I know this is a crazy idea, and it's way out there, but this seems to be a functional family. Why don't we try showing a functional family? (laughs) What? (laughs) And they were like, do you think you found one? He says, I think I found a functional family we might make a TV series on. Well, that's what inspired them to come all the way down to the riverbank. They gave us their spiel on what they'd like to do. I held up my Bible, and I said, is this part of it? Would this be in or out? These days, I have to ask. Yeah, they no said, kidding. Whatever y'all do is fine with us. We just want to film y'all. So they leave, said, think about it. And my kids, four sons and their wives, they said, Dad, what about it? I said, I don't think a bunch of rednecks shooting ducks will work. <laughs> I said, however, I said, what if 
What if the Almighty has a hand in this? Right. What if God is giving us a platform like you mentioned? Yes. I said, what if he's behind it? I said, if that's the case, I said, boys, it'll probably go ballistic. To this day, look, they've come to my my little place on the riverbank down there. I do have a gate now with security and all that. But you say they've come by the thousands, and I've baptized them by the thousands. They just keep Amazing. coming to this day. They're still coming. They said, Mr. Robinson, we don't know you. I'll have people vet them because it's, it's a wicked yeah, world. of course, I know. And they'll say things like, we want you to marry us because we're shacked up and we know it's not right. We want you to marry us. I'm not a licensed preacher, but I get one down there so that we can marry them. And they said, we want you to baptize us. Marry us and baptize us. That's what the request is over and over. So we take them down, marry them in my living room. You're now husband and wife. Get after it now. It's legal. And look, then I take them down the river and baptize them, and they go back to Indiana or wherever Where they're the from. F- and and it's and they we keep in stay in contact with each other. That is amazing. That's, that's what's going on. And so really, that's what it was. You were get, you know it was it was meant to be for a larger platform. Meant to be. And that's uh, one of the reasons that uh, you know you've been such a successful author uh, with the latest book, uh, The Theft of America's Soul. And one of the reasons why you are uh, you know one of the uh, uh, one of the big spokespeople of the Blaze TV. <laughs> Let's talk a little football. You know, I was fascinated that you uh, that you uh, were actually that you were playing football, and that you decided that uh, you know you know you you were, you were pretty good, right? Uh, you started at quarterback at yep. Louisiana Tech. You're pretty yep. good, and that uh, but you knew uh, after you know after a few years, two or three years, that you know hey, I'd rather be hunting. And That's that right. you, you just kind of walked away from it, right? You just it wasn't it wasn't for you. I walked away from it. I was the first stringer. And Bradshaw, Terry Bradshaw, was the second stringer. Boy, he's terrible. And I sat down with him, and I said, listen, I said, I've I've weighed this, Bradshaw. I said, I could play one more year, and you would still be second string, right? He said, that's right. I said, I'm stepping out. That means you're stepping up. I said, look, I have two choices. Either I can chase ducks, or I can have a livelihood that involves large, violent men uh-huh. chasing me. I said, Bradshaw, I, 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 I'm looking at the downside of what you're attempting to do that I'm having serious problems with. I said, I think I'm going out, and I'll be chasing ducks. And I said, good luck to you. He was like stunned. He said, you're going to do this. He said, man, I don't know what to say. I said, do your best, and I hope you make it in the pros. Well, 40 years went yeah, no by. Kidding. I lost track of him. And he comes up. Somebody hugs me in the airport over in LAX airport. I turn around. It's him. He said, Robinson, you did well. I said, <laughs> I said Bradshaw, you've yeah. done pretty well yourself, son. He said, do you want to hear my injury list? I said, Being I hate, chased hate. by those big violent men? I said, I forgot to tell you, large men chasing you is really not the problem when they catch you <laughs> there's right. the problem he said well look what they did to me and i mean he went down his injury list oh, yeah. they broke it so anyway he's still to this day been pretty beat up yeah it, it happens so it was a good call on my part yeah no kidding at some point you have to realize that that beating up has to stop 
it's a tough game. Yeah, real tough. In other words, the fun was leaving it for me, and it was getting so businesslike that I thought, you know, I'd just rather be out in the woods chasing ducks. When did it click? When did it click? I found it fascinating about the the duck call. All right, so when did it click to you that you know? I know you told said talked earlier about uh, showing your wife and saying you know this is the only one and and I made it, but and I think we can sell these. But when did it really click to yourself that you made something and you went, you know, I think this will work. What, what, what made that I would, click I was you? a sticker for precise sounds that they make, ducks. You have whistlers. You have ones that make little guttural sounds. You have wood ducks. They make a little squealing sound. Teal have a little peep in their sound. Mallard hens, you know, they have a rise and fall in the notes. Mallard drakes, more like kind of like a hum. Well, I went to work on on what ducks sound like. You got to remember, it's like playing music by ear. Yeah, I had heard so many of them. I've been chasing ducks since I was about ten or eleven years old, and I listened to their sounds. My job was to go in. I said, I think I can beat what's on the market by being more precise. I think I can build some devices that will sound just like them. So I went off on a big wing and a prayer there. Yeah. And I just zoned it down. All I ever said from start to finish was, mine sounds the closest to the duck. So I would build these devices. Some of them whistle, some of them peep and all that, wood ducks. Well, up until that time, they didn't even have wood duck calls, gadwall calls, teal calls, pintail. I I built all them. I built just an array of all of them, just about all the ducks. Right. So, and I guess people just, my first year in sales, like I say in the book, was $8,000 gross sales. It ended up just out the roof, you know, a million and, five, and it was unbelievable. And this happened without a cell phone or a computer. Without a cell phone or a computer. <laughs> so you can pull it off. Yeah, well, By the way, you, when you they, use Twitter and, and Instagram when they ask and Facebook. Me, they say, so... What's it like? How do you function without a cell phone or a computer? I said, very peacefully. I bet. I said, I'm just not hearing a lot of stuff most people would hear. I said, I just observed everyone else, and I thought, give me a break. I said, that's just too much, too much. Now, it has, in the end, it became, you know, it's too much for you, but now uh, it certainly uh, has certainly helped with your platform. I'm on I'm on the internet yeah, and I've I, never clicked onto the internet, <laughs> which is pretty unusual. You say, "Well, how in the world did you get on the internet?" I said, "Some guys, my son and my nephew came to me. And they said, my oldest son said, Dad, you need to talk more.'" And I said, "Do what?" I said, "Well, how do you figure I can do that?" He said, "I said, get me on the internet somehow, if that's what you're Make talking it happen. about." So they came back to me. And they mentioned CRTV. You could be on, and you can get the gospel preached. You can tell people about your life. You can say how you clean fish, you know, how you hunt ducks. You'll just be telling them about your life. Right. I thought, they pay you to do that? He said, oh, yeah. Pretty, <laughs> pretty big bucks. I thought, well, okay. let's, let's go with it then. <laughs> so that's how I got there. I have a little film crew that comes down. He said, Phil, you got anything on your mind? I said, fire that camera up here. Let me show you something. There you go. And they'll get in there, and I'll maybe get them some Bible text. A lot of times they'll say, you got anything about duck blinds maybe we can talk about? I said, yeah, let's take a ride. We'll go down and get in the boat and take off. 
see it, look at what it, it means to flood and not be affected. You know, you just you run from it. You get your stuff back up the hill. Huh. So I show them what you do in a flood. Instead of getting flooded out, how you get you around back up stuff. a little bit. Oh yeah, you've moved your house to I don't know maybe another another property length yeah. away from the river. I said we've got twelve hundred and something acres here. I said there's about eight of it out of the water. Somebody <laughs> says where are you? I said I'm on the eight hey, thank acres. Thank you. Thank you. I learned that long. I mean that's amazing. You say when you say that it seems so simple, but uh, it doesn't seem simple to a lot of people. People think. You know, big rains come. They think you're never going to flood. It's kind of a, a given that when it rains a lot, it always floods. And when it doesn't rain any, there's a drought. <laughs> Neither one of them are good. But I'm just saying it happens. It does happen. It's the world we live in. Yes, so I'm does. at least prepared when big rains start. Oh, we are monitoring the situation. <laughs> Right now, where I just left from in Louisiana to get over here into Texas, I noticed there's a lot of water around here, too. Yes, there is. But I just noticed in Louisiana, the river I live on is 20 feet above normal. Wow. So you just think about that. Yeah. You're like, it's it's out in my yard out there. It's just right out there, yeah. you know. It's up. I mean, I, I watched, I witnessed that happen every year at my grandparents' house. And was, my grandpa was like, yeah, it comes up like that every year. It's amazing. <laughs> there you go that's why the house is here <laughs> you that's right you learn to roll with it but you do respect it because you can't stop it no you can't can't stop no it. you can't and you just have to be prepared if you live in a place and you see high water marks on the trees out there in the yard as soon as i walked down there and looked at where we now live i asked that woman to see if she had lied to me because i looked at the water marks first i said this place here I said, let me ask you something. You're a real estate lady. I said, uh, does it flood in here? She said, Mr. Robinson, I'm not going to lie to you. It floods a lot in here. I said, we don't want it unless it floods. She said, what? you're going to love this place. <laughs> so out in my yard, that floods all the time, but I'm up on a hill just high enough up. So we learned to live with it. Absolutely. All right, I know you got to go, and I appreciate you stopping by. All right, it was man. very nice talking to you. I appreciate hey, it. I hope you, you do too, it again. Man. Hey, say. Oh, gosh darn it. I was going to have him blow the duck call again. You saw the video. If you follow me on Twitter uh, or Facebook, Twitter, Jeffy JFR, Facebook, Jeff Fisher Radio, Instagram, Jeff Fisher Radio, you saw the video I posted uh, earlier today. Uh, with Phil out in the hallway, and he was blowing the duck call for me. He did do some duck calls for us in the interview, which was you know nice of him. But without the duck call, and I should have pulled it out then. Wait, that doesn't sound right. Anyway, thanks for uh, listening to uh, the Saturday chewing the fat. Remember to uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, if you're listening and you enjoy the the podcast, subscribe. If you're listening and you didn't enjoy the podcast, subscribe, and then uh, you can rate and review it. If you rate and review it. 20 stars best podcast ever that would be great if you didn't like the podcast and you're subscribing and then you go ahead and just rate and review it 20 stars best podcast ever just your way of getting back at me 